So excited to be in the studio today with our guest. We got Jenny Midgley in here. And I know Jenny because we share an office here in Cary together, <laughs> as well as she is the co-host of the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. And a couple of years ago, I started a show called Guys Who Do Stuff. But Jenny's show is doing much better, which we jokingly <laughs> knew would be the case. I remember when she, was, she wanted to start a podcast and somebody had her name and I was like, well, you could do Girls Who Do Stuff. And I remember saying at the time something along the lines, because nobody cares at all about Josh and I, <laughs> or whether or not two middle-aged white guys have success. Love it. But I think people would be really interested in girls who do right. stuff. And, and now uh, it's proven. Now we're now the anchor proven. of the Do The Stuff brand. Yes. That's what we are. And so they have been nominated by Indie Week magazine to be the top podcast of the Triangle, which is pretty cool. You can go vote for them on Indie Week. That's awesome. awesome. Definitely. And uh, I get to produce the show, so I'm also in it too. It's a great show. It's basically come as you are with the courage to stand up and tell a better story. Speak up and tell a better story. (laughs) He said, knowing it right, and that she would correct me. Well, I was anticipating Sarah correcting you. They interview like business owners and just people that do the stuff. And it's always a fun show. And after we ended our episode previously where we talked to a bunch of pastors and you and I who right. worked for mega churches. Yes. We thought maybe we should interview somebody who doesn't have a mega church background. Yeah. And continue the conversation about the Hillsong Exposed documentary. And so I, I asked Jenny if she would watch the episodes and she kindly agreed. <laughs> and I could hear her watching them from the office over, just being like shouting expletives and <laughs> going, Ew. Right. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> This is Hope After Hurt, a Yes podcast. We talk about church hurt, stories of disappointment, and the future of community. With the goal of healing from past pains, inspiring hope for the future, and building a better leader for generations to come. Join this community created for healing, hope, and heroes. Now your host, a pastor's kid who has served everywhere from startups to some of the largest churches in the world, Drew Barker. Yeah, that was the basic. That was the basic takeaway. It was just like, ew, and I have to take thirty showers. Yeah, no, it's it was all just gross, and it was like, and and Joe came out of recording that episode, and he was saying like how it would be interesting to get that uh, that opposite perspective, yeah. and I I was like, are you asking me like as a Jew, are you asking me to come and like talk <laughs> like, about hey, the Jenny? Things? You're a Jew, right? <laughs> right? Like that's a great. Or lead. are you just like saying this would be a cool idea? So he was like, I don't know, would you be open to it? And I was like, sure, you'd have to watch the show, and I was like, all right, all right, Wait, zero idea what I was getting myself into because I was like. I, I sat down and I watched it all. I took a bunch of notes and right. and I because I wanted to be prepared and do my homework and like, ew. Yeah. It was all just, it was hard. It was hard to watch just from a personal level. Like I was a social worker for 20 years. I grew up like active in the synagogue. I went to the Jewish day school. I grew up outside of DC and we were heavily involved in that world. I had no idea that what a mega church was. Right. Like we would drive through places and see these giant buildings. And I'm like, why the fuck does a church need to be that big? I don't get it. Is that a mall? No, that's a church. It's hard to tell because their names are all like Wave. Recognition. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, it's a club. No, either no, that's it's, a trampoline it's a park or that's a right. mega like, church. And it's these like giant, like seriously, like these steel, like giant aluminum wall. Like I, I don't get. And there are giant synagogues don't get me wrong there's in washington dc for example there's washington hebrew congregation and they have like outposts in the suburbs there's different community centers and they run different programs and things but everybody still comes to like the centralized place sure i have a Um, question about 
the synagogue. Now, my knowledge of synagogue, not having ever visited one, is related strictly to Curb Your Enthusiasm and the Marvelous Miss Maisel, <laughs> what I picked up from You're right on shows. track. Yeah. Yes. And, but essentially, there was this part in the documentary that where there was a separate seating section for the celebrities and whatever, yeah. and it mm-hmm. sparked my recollection of these shows, Curb Your yeah. Enthusiasm and Marvelous Maisel, that people would buy seats in synagogue is that a common practice had you ever heard of that or were you um were so you i actually and- wrote that as one of my notes oh that my it's gosh. it was a it's a <laughs> it's an inaccurate quote you have to buy tickets for high holy days oh they put they brought that up oh. in the documentary yeah they actually oh, okay. said there was like somebody was like it's like buying seats for and i was like that's not entirely accurate <laughs> so because the expectation is because it's just like you have the twice a year catholics you have the twice a year jews and Basically, if you've been to a Catholic church, for the most part, a Jewish service is the same, just without the kneeling. Like gotcha. it's a, yeah, <laughs> like it's sense. the standing, the sitting, the the traditional psalms and and prayers, and and there's there's a definitely a structure, there's an order, which is actually where Passover and the whole like seder comes from, like the meal, the the, the whole thing with that starts Passover because seder means order, and that's very that's like a, a running theme through all. Jew things. I'm going to trust you and take your word for it. We just came up with the title of the episode. Yeah, there it is. Yep. Jenny and Jew talk Jew things. (laughs) But the buying the tickets, right, is about high holy days because everybody wants to go and there's not enough seating. So they have to buy, you have to buy tickets ahead of time for the high holy day services. Yeah, that makes sense. Like a cover charge. And then it's like extra to your membership. The thing that always, like, that, that I understood was separate because I thought churches were always like, you could just go as you are, like you just go into church. And I knew from my experience with my parents Now we, I grew up in a reform congregation, which is the Jewish light, right? Like it's the, the looser interpretation <laughs> of some of the stuff. Versus, it's like Canada to America. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. And the private school I went to was more on the, the following the rules side. So it was more conservative. And then there's the Orthodox and the ultra Orthodox and it goes on. There's a bunch of different, anyway, levels of involvement, basically like how engaged are you going to be? So we were like the lesser engaged Jews, right? So there was a high probability that people weren't going to, that the people that went every week were members and you had to be a member of the congregation. You paid dues every year. And so those high holy day seats for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur Mm -hmm. uh, were extra. To your oh, membership. Okay, so now I'm I'm catching with yeah. you now. Okay, so like the membership paid for things like the upkeep for the building and the the maintenance staff and the the administrative staff and the rabbi and the cantor and all of the stuff, and then there was extra things. It's so funny because I've like heard tithes so, and offerings. It's yeah, kind of. It's also it like a country club. It's like a lot of things. Which yeah. I think a lot of people and it was compare mega churches to country clubs, right? That, and that's what I that's yeah. kind of what I thought of. Like while you were talking. The thing that spurred me was like, oh, I've actually stood on stage mm-hmm. and said, hey, this isn't a country club. And I've heard other pastors stay on, stand on mm-hmm. stage and be like, hey, this, this isn't a country club. And if right? you don't believe me, meet me and in the coffee believe- shop. <laughs> and we're gonna, we'll buy you a scone and we'll talk that about it. Our, our synagogue didn't have a coffee shop. Yeah. Like we would have, but it was a, um, it, I don't know. I, I remember the day that I stopped going. Like I was like, mm, I'm done. And that was like a, a very like existential experience for me. And, and we can talk about that later. But like, it's one of those things that like the member and the membership is means based. So it's income based. You don't always, not everybody's going to pay the same and all those things. And what was really interesting for me in watching the Hillsong thing was the people who would like flock to this and the stadiums that get sold out right. and like the, and I'm like, is it like, 
I used to beg to not go to services as a kid. I'd be like, why do I have to go? It's Friday night. I want to hang out with my friends. And, or, and, but I I can see the appeal, especially if someone is looking for community. And that is something that I think is relevant to any like religious space. It's that they're selling the building of community. And you can walk in and you're going to be like us. Cause you belong, like you saw the signs as you're like standing in line. It's like, you belong here and welcome. Mm-hmm. What was, some of them were like smile and all this, like, yeah, like very, but, but very yeah. positive. Like it's, have, you walk into a planet fitness and it says, good, every machine says you belong here. Right. It's the same they have concept. They PR and marketing. Totally. Mm-hmm. So we want you to, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. We, we want you to walk in and have this sense of you're one of us. Yeah before you even find out about us. So yeah, you're exactly right. And community is, is important in, uh, of course, the religious side. I, I think it's important in, you know, anything, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's family or neighborhoods or whatever, like you're going to, you're going to want to gravitate towards a place that gives you a sense of community. That is something they did well, obviously going to these gatherings and stadiums and things like that. It, it's hard to know like intentions and what everybody's really mm-hmm. searching for, but community is a huge part of that. Yeah, I'm interested, but you mentioned you remember stepping away yeah, and you said that was a, a big experience. You even said like we could connect that later, but watching this documentary, are you sitting back going, wow, that's exactly all that right there. That's why I walked away that that's it. Mm-hmm. Or is, or was this like almost another level and like surprising or have you just always assumed like this stuff's going on? No, it was surprising. Like the amount of gaslighting and emotional manipulation and like, trauma shaming and victim blaming and all of the, I was sitting there and as somebody who, when one of the, one of the really big themes in Judaism is something called tikkun olam, and it means to take care of the world. So tikkun olam means world and, and it's taking care of the world. And it's not just about being a good steward of your resources while you're on earth. Sure. It's about being neighborly and generous. And, and a lot of the teachings in the Old Testament, minus the Leviticus and the 613 yeah, yeah, we get commandments, yeah. like I love shrimp. And bacon. <laughs> right. And well, we had private hors d'oeuvres at my wedding because my mom was like, we're not having any non-kosher. And I'm like, we have never kept kosher. This is not. <laughs> that is literally just like that episode of Marvelous Miss Maisel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so and back like, to our podcast. <laughs> one. No, but like that. bacon is delicious. So like love. Yeah. And where was I going with this? Anyway, but it, it's one of those things that's like when you go back and, and look at the core, it's just about like how to be a good human. Sure. Like, here's how to be a decent human being. And so that I was very surprised because I just was like, I was like, I'm, why aren't, like, churches would be the same. And and I knew enough about other world religions, like, not to get in deep. I knew way more about Catholicism than I did. There's more Catholics around me. But I didn't think that some of the, uh, what's the word, like, corruption. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and no, that's good. Like the abuse of power and the financial abuse mm-hmm. and all of those things, I was just not aware of that. And so for me, when I walked away from being a, a part of that organized type of and going to, to services, whatever, I was in my early twenties, early mid twenties. And I had actually, I lived in Syracuse at the time and my parents were still in Maryland. So, and I belonged to the synagogue in, near my house and I went to services and I did the things. But I went back to visit my mom and dad. It was my mom's birthday or something. And it was also Rosh Hashanah, or one of the yeah. high holidays. And so I went with them to, to temple. And it was an art. The rabbi I grew up with had retired. Okay. And he was like a, a force of nature. Like he was a big part of, of my, I think, my value system and like how I became 
who I am. Okay. And I felt a very strong connection. And it was a new rabbi who I didn't really know all that well. Like he'd come after I moved and, um, but I'd been there a couple of times. And I was like, mm, he's fine, whatever. And during this one sermon, I was like, what the actual, why is he fucking preaching at me? It was a very different feeling yeah. of instead of trying to, because every week they take the Torah portion, the, the Bible verse, whatever, the Old Testament yep. section that we're talking about that week, and they turn it into a sermon, something's relevant, and you can always find something to take away. There's sure. always something that's relevant. That's a great thing about sermons. And there was, like, I was listening, I was like, he's telling me how to be instead of inviting me to think about how I could be. Okay. I like that. Okay. And I think that th in that moment, I was like, done. I never need to walk into a synagogue again, ever. <laughs> that wow. was like, that was it for me. I'm like, I can find my prayer, my spiritual relief, my whatever God-like creature, my universe, whatever it is. I do not feel connected to coming and sitting in a chair and having like doing these rituals and having somebody preach at me. I okay. am uncomfortable with it. So that's so fascinating because- the very thing that, like the very reason that you walked away, okay, is the very reason that something like Hillsong works. Yep, yep. How many kids, how many young adults, how many adults <laughs> walk into Hillsong going, this is everything that mm -hmm. my church growing up wasn't. I've got, a, I've got an engaging speaker that's teaching me habits and thoughts and mm -hmm. perspective, not just memorize the following verses or not just coming at me with, you know, fire and brimstone. And then on top of that, hey, it's good music. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, hey, it's like people my age, people that look like me, think like me, mm -hmm. hey, this is it. So it's fascinating that the very thing that made you walk away is the very reason that places like Hillsong and, and some of these churches that go that route are successful. Mm-hmm. So what does it take to step back into that environment? It's interesting because I think that the at the core of it is understanding that for me, whether I was, I was cognizant of it, whether I was aware of it, I don't know. I don't remember all of I've had kids. My brain is mush. But I do recall like understanding that this was no longer a part of my journey. Gotcha. And I was okay with that decision. And I was, I hadn't, and, and it's very interesting because I hadn't yet met my husband. And then when I did meet my husband and we were dating, it was when uh, my big fat Greek wedding came out. Okay. And I went and I saw it with my, I was visiting my parents and we went and saw it together and I was driving back home and my mom looked at me and she was like, I was driving back to their house and she looked at me and she was like, I would be very disappointed if you married someone who wasn't Jewish. <laughs> And I was like, no and you've met Scott and he is not he's Jewish. Not, so thanks for that. And we've been together for a year <laughs> and a half. Oh and I don't know. Moms are awesome. <laughs> and because I was like, I was supposed to be the kid. Like I was the one. That was, I was, I had the Jewish education invested into me. I was always at the synagogue. I was very involved. I was very engaged. And my sister had already married somebody who wasn't Jewish. And my brother hadn't, at that point, hadn't met his wife. But, and then, so I was the one, I was the one that was really supposed to be yeah. like, no, you were going to save Jewish. it all. Right. I was. Totally. No and so I ended up marrying this like 
atheist scientist, right? <laughs> like he <laughs> and like science is his church or temple, whatever, like uh, things that make sense. He's sure. an engineer. He's a very logical and very linear and I can't see it. It must not exist. And, uh, but what I, what, and I remember just looking at him like, mom, that's, an, I appreciate your sentiment, but this could be tough. This could be him. This could be the one. <laughs> and, but be like my big fat Greek wedding is very similar to a large Jewish family. Everybody's in everybody's business. Right. I had to learn as an adult how to temper the information that I gave to my parents because they'll just tell strangers on the street. Now I'm starting and to wonder if like, I'm Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> they'll just like my dad'll see a guy with a Syracuse sweatshirt and be like, oh, did you go to Syracuse? My daughter went to Syracuse. Were you there in 2000? Oh, yeah, that's what no. you, and I'm yeah. like, Dad. But it's and it's part of growing up in that culture where I think for me to go back, I would have to find a community that was more like universalist that okay. was more like we do the Jew things and we throw in some pagan things and we throw in some maybe there's some Christian thing like I'm never going to believe that Jesus is my savior and I'm never going to believe that I was born with original sin I'm not going to go like the Lutheran Calvinism side gotcha. I'm not going to go to the Catholic the Catholic side and be like I can say 12 Hail Marys and my right. like there are all the similarities but Jesus is never going to be my homeboy. He may have been a Jew and and he may be my people, but I'm cool with that. And I think it's also one of the the uplifting things for me is that there is no heaven or hell in in Judaism. There's not like there's not there's there's the reason that you do good on earth is so that you do good on earth so that you then are like your name is written in the book of life. And then that's it. Like there's so no there's expectation no, like of salvation. Right. And every year you get to hit the reset button if you do certain things and try again. If you fucked up, like you can atone for it. And there's steps that you have to do for that. And you have to apologize to the people that you hurt. And it's very 12 steppy. Like Yom Kippur is 12 step program. I, I, to me, I would have to find some kind of universalist space where all of this was, was just, it like, just is, right? There's just people and they meet and would, I guess it would be like a non-denominational community center. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> with, like, it would no be religion. a non-denominational community no center that would be like, hey, we're trying to make everyone happy, but at the same time, we're going to piss everyone off. Right. And everybody's going to accept that. And they're just going to be like, hey, you're cool. You're a nice person. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And just be. So... I, and I don't feel comfort in that community anymore. So I don't know that there would ever be a time. Like I teach my kids about what it means for me to be a Jew. And we talk about the traditions and they know whatever, but we don't like, we celebrate yeah. a very secular Christmas and Easter because it's fun. Yeah. I guess that's a profound thing, right? The documentary we were talking about, obviously, you're welcome. You belong here. What happens when you feel like you don't belong anymore? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't. I wonder how many go. people who let their faith go, because your story reminds me of, I was listening to a comedy album by Bill Burr, and he talks about leaving Catholicism as like playing a game of, oh, what's it called when you push the thing on the ice? Oh, a curling. Curling, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I'm Catholic, and then I just let it go. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> just let it go. Yeah, basically. It was not maybe as driven by some giant thing, but a collection of yeah. experiences. I don't know. Yeah, it's fascinating. So for, for me, you know, I, so I grew up in an interesting environment. My dad was a pastor. And, and then by the time I got in my teens, I was just kind of like, can I not do this anymore? 
just, there was just so much pressure on the pastor's family, not just to, it's not even really to act. It was just more of, we were always doing something. My parents were always involved in something. My, I, me and my brother were always Well, the expectations and the obligations were different. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then on top of that, you know too much about people and they don't know that. You, and isn't and, it so disappointing when you find out those things that you're like, oh, and they're a shitty yeah, person. And, then, and I or, can't just walk up to them and be like, have the fucking day you deserve. Because then that would mean I had violated somebody's trust. Totally and- can't do that. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never forget. And I'm not going to name any names or name the church or anything like that, but I'll never forget. I, I needed a ride from my dad. I was, I couldn't drive yet. So I needed a ride from my dad. So I sat in the kitchen of the fellowship hall. So not in the room, but in the room. In the fellowship hall, they were having like a business meeting and somebody said something really rude about my dad. Okay. Now I was like, I don't know, 12, 13, something like that. I was old enough to know I could go in there and try to like kill him or something. And I had to shake that guy's hand Sunday after Sunday. And he would go, good morning, Andrew. And I, morning. Like I had to do that. And there's gotta be some kind of psychological. What you're, it's how do you like in, in the adult world, right? Yeah. Like you could reconcile that with being like, I never have to talk to that person. I you can, would just go confront him right, and be you, like, I heard this and we're going to settle it. Yeah. But, but yeah. When, you're right. When you you're 12, 13. Right. You don't have that power. Yeah. You totally um, can't because do anything. The balance is inherently on the adult. Totally. Right? And so it's a traumatic experience that then shapes your the way that you interact with other adults in the church and other adults as you're growing. And it makes sense that you were like, I'm out. I need to oh, be yeah. like away from all of this yeah. because when you're, and you're carrying that burden that you right. have no business carrying totally. as, a, as a child. Totally. Did you tell your dad about it? Eventually, you but know, not but like, not at 13. No, I just held it. And you that's know, the problem. And that's the, and that's the challenge. Did and, you feel ashamed that there would be some kind of like consequence to you if you spoke up? No, I don't think I felt ashamed. I think it was just more of like, him? I think it was just more of, I wasn't supposed to hear it. So if I bring it up, then that might be more consequences for me or it mm. might be more consequences for my dad. And honestly, at 12, 13, I wasn't like, I'm not the guy I am now. Right. <laughs> I wasn't the guy that was like, I'm going to say something <laughs> right now. I'm so glad yeah. I'm not the same as yeah, I was like at 12 now or 13. if I'm in a grocery store, I'll be like, hey, what did you say to her? And that's just I guess that's partly maturing and just deciding not to care anymore. But so then I, I step away from the church. I don't think I ever stepped away from God. But at the same time, I never had a full understanding of like really who he was in my life and, and how I needed to approach that. And we can get into that another time, but then got back involved in the church, still feel a calling on my life to this day. And now I'm still involved in, in serving at a church and, and feel like it's important. And to be real, like even hearing you discuss your background, I see some of the same kind of emotions. I think we both, even though we came from very different upbringings, from the standpoint of like religion and what that means and what we do, there's still like this hurt. There's still this, man, I don't belong here. And so I hear that. And then in a very real way, hear that you're in this mindset that I was in, but I'm not in anymore. And I'm like, oh man, like that's challenging for me mm-hmm. because I hear that and I'm like, I've been right there. Mm-hmm. Like I've been right there where I'm like, I don't like the people. 
I don't get why I would want to go hang out there. So I'm just going to be done and I'm still going to do some things and I'm still going to help people that I know. And I'm still going to try to live like this high, good morale life. But at the same time, like that's not for me. And so I got out of that and I see that you're, you know, in it. And so I hear it and I'm mm. like, all right, there's some connection there. What's fascinating to me is that I think so many people experienced that it birthed these kinds of absolutely ch churches absolutely i i yes wholeheartedly and because i'm I, sure you've had i mean numerous conversations with people that probably share a little bit of that yeah religious upbringing and and, and for me it's just it's, it's all the time mm -hmm. and and it's just like, oh yeah you left the church too oh you did too what age were you oh my well, age too it's amazing and i think the i one of the things that i see like you're saying you were there and now you're out of it like I'm okay being there. Oh, right. Like, and that's, I totally. think that's the difference, right? Is that I'm accepting of the fact that I don't need this to be a part of my identity anymore. And I accepted right. that I'm good. It doesn't define me whether or not I go to services. It doesn't like it's, and my mom would even say, when you have kids, your mind's going to change. I'm like, mm -hmm, okay. And guess what? I had right. kids it and my mind didn't change. We did the things that were important to them as a respect thing like my son had a bris which was very traumatic like when we got pregnant the second time my husband was like if it's a boy we're not doing that again right, i was just, like totes yeah totes it was good and handle that it, it was that was a hard thing and for on multiple levels but i think that there's there was an opportunity for me to ex to learn how to accept who i was and this has been like a lifelong thing for me like yeah. i am i have always felt like i don't belong and this goes much deeper and much broader than just this topic, but it is a thing because I am different. Yeah. I'm the way that my brain works is different. The way I'm not like a, a neurotypical person. So for me, and I did weird things and I, I didn't understand why I didn't fit in. I dealt with a lot of mental health issues and I had a great therapist for 10 years and that's how I'm a functioning adult now. And the, the fact that my husband handles all of the executive functioning things like beautiful things that I really don't want to do. And, but the, the reality is that like, I had to go on this journey to, and, and that had to be a part of it, walking away and being okay yeah. with walking away. Sure. Like regardless of what my parents felt or, or what was expected That's of hard, me. That's hard, right? It That's was really very hard. hard. And what was really interesting was I remember going back and visiting one time and asking about something and they were like, oh, we're not members anymore. And I was like, what? Why'd you give me a hard time? <laughs> I was like, what happened? And my dad told me and he was like, we just felt like we were no longer connected to the community and we didn't see for just the two of us to spend the money that we were spending for our membership because they're fortunate. And my dad was very successful. Their membership fees were higher sure. than some of the other. And they were like, we just didn't see it as needed anymore. And yeah. they just get, if they were, if they're at their beach house, they go and buy tickets to the services that are going to be there if they're there for the high holy days. If we're all together, we'll still do Shabbat services on Friday nights at home. We'll still say the blessings and we still do some of the holidays together if we're all together, but it's not like we that obligation was yeah. lifted yeah and i think that when you can have those conversations i think that communication piece is a huge part of it because you're right the reasons that i walked away are the same reasons people are flocking they don't feel like they belong they don't feel like they're right. they're connected they don't have community they don't know where to go right and the answer is, is being literally handed to them like here if you buy our cds god's gonna give you salvation <laughs> if you buy tickets to, like 
come join our VIP section, whatever it is, go to the, co- the, the shit about the college. What, that and like all the free labor, like we had, we were offered the opportunity to volunteer, but it wasn't required. Right. There was some community service as you went through like confirmation and stuff like that. But that was the requirement. It was like two hours a week. Like, I think I volunteered in the Sunday school with the little ones, but it like, just that was mind blowing. There were a couple of things that made me want to ask you your perspective. Drew and I both have worked at mega churches for 10 plus years. So we have a perspective that goes along with that. I was wondering from your perspective, how, how it felt talking about when the documentary talked about the financial stuff, Mm -hmm. specifically how they broke up into different entities, different LLCs, the music and the, and and we talked a lot about offering so far, whether it be in paying dues or in the Christian sense. And, Knowing that the majority of the people in the Hillsong was started AG, so they're they're yep. believers in tithing, which is ten percent, right? Which is like another way of saying it's asset based, like you were saying, Jenny, like giving is kind of stuff. But there were some things in there that really stood out in my mind, like the guy who was like, you know, "I went to the conference and it cost five hundred dollars, and I bought like the books and the everything merchandise and that cost and that, me yeah. an extra hundred thousand. Uh, that cost me a hundred thousand. No, just." an extra couple hundred dollars. I don't yeah. know exactly what he said, but how did that ping you when you heard about how the church was doing financially? All right. All right. I'm, I'm going to get on that soapbox. Like, all right, so, let me, let me, let me, <laughs> let me readjust adjust, my seat. Here's the deal. Let me tell you. No, I have very strongly believed for a very long time that the idea that you have to sacrifice your well-being to give to a organization that doesn't pay taxes that doesn't contribute to your community schools and development and roads and anything like that because they don't have to pay land use taxes. They don't have to pay. That doesn't like, but you're expected to then walk in the doors and give them money on top of money on top of money when they are obviously running and being operated as businesses and it was really interesting to hear like the way they wrapped it up with the seven mountains of was it the seven mountains of there was like media and church and school and yeah and they all, all of that put like, C's around it right? it was like com- conference concert C or CDs college church concert CDs college yeah. cinema and conferences yeah, I wrote it down go. but yeah and then when they were talking about like the Pentecostal ideas of taking over the world means that you're gonna create heaven on earth and bring the end of times and I was like what the f- wait this is I need another documentary explaining that to me level. but but yeah like all of that of infiltrating and indoctrinating it felt like history has a really terrible way of repeating itself like we're mm. looking at what happened as Hitler was rising to power and indoctrinated, that's where kindergarten came from. Put the kids into the classrooms and teach them our values from like the SS perspective yeah. from that. And and we're going to indoctrinate them from the early age and we're going to have the Hitler youth and we're going to have all the similarities are striking to me. And the way that the financial gains are allowed to be exploited. I also feel the same way about university endowments, but that's a whole we'll other go, story. Yeah. <laughs> And in, <laughs> and in part two, we're gonna, no. but I think that there's, if the tithing is, because as I understand it, tell me if I'm wrong, okay. the tithing was supposed to provide the community resource supports that the towns and local government, that they were going to feed people and they were going to clothe people 
And like the yeah, churches I mean, were going to... To an extent, sure. Right. And the tithings went to the upkeep of the church. And so they could do... If somebody's house burned down, they could help them. But right. we're like hearkening back to... I think that's the key. We want to help. We, right. The, we want to clothe the homeless. We want right. to feed the hungry. Versus right. we want to give debit cards to our pastors so they can buy $7,000 sneakers. Yeah, they're dope though. You saw them; they're amazing. <laughs> they totally dope. And the I sounded the so supreme white sweatshirt that. though the fifteen thousand like dollars and I, I like that is mind boggling to me. Like when you ele- when you give people the the freedom to push the boundaries mm-hmm. and not live up to the standard that you say everybody else is supposed to live up to, you're breeding the opportunity for corruption. Okay, so a couple things. So first of all, it's incredibly encouraging to hear you say what you're saying because I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day, but like I told you, I'm not going to sit here and defend how they handled money and nor do I think I, I could. I don't really have a way to do that. I think I would agree with you But I think what's beautiful about it is I see this like new wave of church leaders coming in and I see the mindset shifting. So for instance, I was having this conversation the other day with a couple uh, friends of mine and we were talking about how everything you give money to in your life, everything except nonprofits, you know exactly what that money went to. Let me explain. If we went and where we had this talk, had Taco Tuesdays for lunch. Okay? They bring you tacos. Mm-hmm. You they give bring them you money. a bill. You give them money. <laughs> and you give them it's money. Transact- it's transactional. You give them money because you're like, I know exactly what I just paid for. I got two tacos. They were like a dollar a piece because it's Taco Tuesdays. Got a side of rice, Diet Coke, and unlimited chips. Bring it. This is awesome. If you invest in a stock, you get an app that shows you how your stock's doing minute to minute. You know exactly where your money is, Mm -hmm. exactly what it's producing, exactly where it's going, where it's tracking, everything. You give it to a church, you're like, "Uh, trust God that they do what God leads them to do. So So here's my encouragement. We sat down and we were like, is there a reason that there's not, I don't know, a monthly report in the lobby, even if it's just like surface level? Churches, small they, churches do that. Yeah, it's, oh, trans- I know. it's called transparency. When How small churches even- stop doing that, when they're scared someone will get ticked off at what they have going right. on. Somebody's going to think we pay staff too much. Okay, you know what that means? They can go to church somewhere else. Someone thinks we're, mm-hmm. we should give more here. Dude, if you're really, honestly and truly, if, if you're with all good intentions doing what you believe God's asking you to do with your finances, like, why not just... Share that with people. I feel like we spend 99% of our time hiding what we do and then 1% of our time going, this is what your money's going towards. Let's celebrate what God is doing. And it should be completely flipped. 99% of the time we should be like, this is what your money's going to and how exciting is that? And then 1% of the time you're like, hey, do I actually know what's happening? Well, Flip and the thing, So like nonprofits have boards of directors. Everything is supposed to be transparent. The the minutes are supposed to be public record. The, the they're supposed to be. They're all of these things. Like you're supposed <laughs> to be able to go and look up and see how much money was made and see where the money went and see like the transparency is supposed to be there and transparency is how you inherently build trust yes and so yes if you are going to hide like what is there to hide like 
And if you don't like that your pastor or your rabbi is being paid $200,000 a year, go find another place to worship. I think that- Small church is definitely not paying a pastor that. (laughs) So you're going to have your pick places. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's going to be on the higher end. But I think that there's, I like my awareness and- No, it's not though. This is is great. No, this is fantastic. But I look at it also, and I'm coming from the perspective too, right? Like I was a social worker for 20 years. I was a hospital social worker. I was working with homeless people. I was working with people who had strokes and then had nowhere to go. Right. And what I witnessed was over the course of these 20 years was these community resources where people are giving their money to are dwindling. The churches don't have the same programs, the things, and yet you're seeing the dichotomy of that and the opposite of that. In these other spaces that are flourishing, that are building, that are, you know, putting in coffee shops. and Unfortunately, and they're investing in their own programs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's fascinating to me because churches have really, and I'm, I'm just, I love that you're bringing all this up. The churches have really done a great job of stepping towards culture. 20 years ago, we stepped towards culture. And I think now we're realizing, oh, we just kind of kept, we got, yeah. We got in it, man. And you know what culture is? Like, like from a Christian perspective, culture is just, it's freaking fun, man. It's fun. Like, it, it's fun wearing, like, expensive stuff. It's fun looking flashy. It's fun pretending to be a CEO when you're a pastor. Like, it's fun to, like, move that direction. And now you've got this group of people and the Hillsong document documentary pointed out. Now you've got a a group of people and a group of new leaders going, Hey, I I think we may have stepped too far. I think we may have, I think we may have gone too far here. And and here's what we've (laughs) all said, right? Yes. And (laughs) right. I almost just to be funny. Like I almost where I have this psycho bunny jacket that was a gift and it's, it's like a $180 jacket. It's not like crazy expensive or anything, but I almost wore it today just to (laughs) see if I could get a trigger out of you. But I wouldn't even know what that is. Well, that's, oh, that's fine. <laughs> well next time, ne- I'm going to call Lance and see if I can borrow were... his Supreme uh, hoodie for yeah. 15K. It was like when I bought these shoes and somebody's like, those are like the Golden Goose. Was that I was Whatever the influencer shoe was. But then somebody, and I was like, I have no idea. She's like, oh, these five hour <laughs> influencer. I'm like, yeah. I know I live on social media for my business, but, right, but I, I don't I, use social media for me. Sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, that's a little bit different. And I don't know any of these trends. And so the the trend building off of that, the the trend in churches, it it flipped to this idea that the only way to God was Jesus. But the only but then we didn't stop there. We said, "Oh, yeah, but to get to Jesus, like you need to get to a pastor." And then to get to a pastor, you got to go to church on Sunday. And in order to do that, you got to know a Christian. So if you're a non-Christian, you're like, I need to meet a Christian who invites me to church so I can meet the pastor so he can introduce me and encounter uh, Jesus and then I'll get to God. Right. And And I don't see that anywhere biblically. Nowhere. But it really builds a great corporation. It builds a great organization. And what we've completely ruined, and, and I'm just praying that this flips is that we think that all empowerment, all discipleship, all knowledge, all this stuff, it all happens at church on Sundays. And I'm sitting here looking at Matthew 28, where the great commission is listing out, go therefore and build disciples. And I'm like, I don't think, I, I think the church is there to do exactly what you were talking about, to support the city, to support the neighborhoods, to support the homes, to help to help and bring functionality to families. 
I think that's the mission. And what we've done is we've been like- And to be a resource in crisis, right? If you're in crisis, if you're having, if you're, let's say, don't even get me started on like the whole exclusivity factor and the the saying that you're inclusive when you're really not and you're going to tout homophobic teachings as like it's just shady inclusivity and you're not actually open to that. I very clearly remember I was like 13 or 14 and they had a guest speaker Mm -hmm. at- temple on Friday night. And it was a woman whose family was, were members at the synagogue. Yeah. It was a biracial couple. Okay. And at some point the husband said, I am no longer comfortable in my body and I'm going to transition and become a woman. And they chose to stay together. Okay. So again, we're talking biracial. Yeah. Transgendered. Sure. Talking on the synagogue pulpit on Friday night. Yeah. To the congregation. And this was in the 90s. Strong. So that was my, like, and so I'm looking at all of these homophobic places going, why does it fucking matter? And knowing that the kids were around my age and they were some younger, so I had them in the Hebrew and the Sunday school classes and and I knew the older kids and we were friendly, like I didn't, and knowing they all went to therapy and and like how, but how involved the synagogue was for that family in crisis and how they supported them. Yeah. Through this very novel experience for everybody else. Now you can say, sure, people in my circle are LGBTQ, whatever. Yeah. Then not so much. Gotcha. <laughs> and and to be there when, like I was saying, like the house burns down or there's an emotional crisis. Somebody's pregnant out of wedlock or like the whole thing of going to the pastor and getting counseled to break up because you had sex one time. Like <laughs> I, I don't under, I don't understand. They didn't get counseled to broke up. They were broken up. No, they were. No, yeah. they were counseled they, to break they up. They were definitely That's what not counseled. Said. It was no, like, they left oh yeah, like, and we up. left broke up. Yeah. yeah, and he was off the worship team. But like yeah. the idea that's counseling. The idea that this advice. And you're exalting the pastor, right? Like you were saying, like that whole chain link of how you get to God through the pastor. Isn't that fast? I need five really good decisions. I'm like, (laughs) I just go outside and look up at the trees. You know what I mean? Like I I go sit on the beach and I just feel the energy and I feel at peace with myself. So there's a, sometimes I'm just driving in my car, listening to Queen or, yeah, I I have been known to. What's your like favorite, if you had to lay out a favorite Queen song? uh, Don't Stop Me Now. 110%. 110%. Stop me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't sing That's anymore. Good. We can't license it. I like, uh, <laughs> so my favorite Queen song is Lover Boy. Ooh, that's a good one too. It is good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that one a lot. So wait, I got another thing I want oh, to hear okay. Jenny's yeah, opinion please. on. So we talked about financial. The next thing I wanted to hear your perspective on, because again, both Drew and I having worked in a church before, how did you feel about the way that the people in the church treated the pastor? And let me give you some context here. Which one? Either uh, any all, of them, any of them, them listed in there. But this was two days ago at the time that we're recording this. Brian Houston's Instagram post yep. is the first time or the first basically church bulletin, it looks like, from yep. when they planted the church in 1989. Yep. And all he says is pioneering is fun. Yeah. And then it's filled with hundreds of comments of people like, you start a new church. We're doing this. If you guys, it's so unfair what you're going through. You guys will make it through this. Yep. So the sycophantic kind of following of these charismatic magnetic leaders. Oh, wait, wait, very wait. worrisome. So I got to, I got to yeah, interject. Go. Let's do it. These charismatic leaders. I don't. Yes. Yes. But it's amazing how we will equate 
a great communicator as a leader immediately. I w- leaders in air quotes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not, maybe, do, but you got to be like a unicorn. Like finding someone that is just phenomenal at leadership and then phenomenal at, a, at communicating, like it's really tough to find. I think usually one or the other has to be learned. Usually one or the other comes from a great mentor or you've been around like some good situations. I would say both. Yeah. Yeah. You think, yeah, I, like I maybe so. Both. Cause both I think the charismatic, the outgoing thing, some of that's like, get, some like, of that's I feel innate. like some yeah. of that's innate, but to just be, we look at pastors and, and, and see how great they are at communicating. We're like, golly, what a leader. It's like, you heard him speak for 45 minutes. He's a great communicator, but yeah. Anyways, so right, continue, no, you're right you're because right. we're say, we say leader because the at the it's the head of the church, sure, right? There, so there that you go. so yep. by definition, we're putting them in that leadership category, even if they're shitty leaders. Right. If you go to his, scripture his and you Instagram look at the, says global senior pastor slash president, even though he was let go. So I yeah, mean, he yeah. obviously thinks of himself that way. Yeah, and if you yeah, because that's you have to that's yours, bro. If you were to sorry, that really distracted me. I was funny, president like. <laughs> President of stop, of global corporations. Yeah, whatever. That I can't even. <laughs> I can't so even talk about leaders, like the definition of leader, right? Like, oh, so yeah, yeah. If you go to scripture and you look at like how God has gifted individuals in order that the church would serve well, teaching pastor is leadership in there? No, no. that's strange. Right. <laughs> and like, it, no, but it is because by. I think it's interesting, right, that we look at, there's a a definite difference between a leadership position and a leader. There you go. Love it. So That's all I was trying to get to. I got you. The pastor is in the leadership position. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that they are a good leader. Mm -hmm. And in the Hillsong case, I would say, I would venture to hazard a statement, observation, (laughs) They were really shitty leaders. In hindsight, that seems very clear. Yeah. But not but- even in hindsight. If you go back, that woman that was going through all of the public records, all of the board of director meetings back from when it was Assembly of God, when she was talking about like the whole Frank Houston, Brian Houston, like how they covered up the sex abuse and, and sure. all those things, like it was wild. <laughs> it was like it's yeah. an active she basically was like, This is a how-to manual on how to cover up. TDF Furniture carries over 50 brands at prices 60 to 95% off suggested retail. From outdoor sets to dining room tables and recliners, they have it all. See something you like? Load up a truck and take it home the same day or schedule for delivery. Special financing options are also available. Quit overpaying and visit one of TDF Furniture's five locations. Learn more at tdffurniture.com. Yeah, and it's fascinating because if you were to go back and look at my life, like I've had some really bad moments. Like I've had some moments that I'm like, man, I'd really want those back. Now, do they do they lead to this kind of destruction? I hope they haven't. Have they happened in this kind of like arena of ministry? No. But if we were to just make a list, it would be tough to prove like that I deserve where I'm at. You see what I'm saying? I feel like I need to unpack that a little bit. Okay, we'll get there. Yeah. So that being said, when we look at these guys, I think there's a difference in having poor moments and poor lifestyles. Because I think when you have, when you're a leader and you have a poor moment, leaders own that. Like we were talking about earlier, if a 13-year-old self hears this conversation, he does nothing. But if 
35 year old self hears this conversation, we're going to go have a discussion around it because mm-hmm. that's what adults do. And that's what maturity brings you. Yep. Um, and you can have a discussion without it being confrontational. There you go. And you can say, you know what? This really bothered me when you said that. And, and yeah. And as the leader in these situations, you can go, Hey, I just want to let you know, I, this is what I did. This is what happened. I feel terrible about it. I really do. Mm-hmm. What I don't want to have happen is the church feel the effects of it. So how can I best move forward? And what do you guys want me to do? And what we're seeing is more of, hey, in order for the church not to fall or get any bad press or whatever, we're just going to cover it up. Where the correct thing is, let's just, like you said, let's be transparent. This is what happened. People suck sometimes. We're going to move forward. Like it is what it is. And I think I, there's a I, yeah. big difference though between the challenge that I have with the idea of Hillsong in particular, just, mm-hmm. just the facts of the situation. Like, I think that when it comes to like redemption and like we've all made mistakes, that's great. I think we're, when we're saying that we're talking about faith and that we shouldn't be excluded from our faith because we made a mistake. And I think that category of forgiveness is wider than my arms can spread. I'm spreading my arms. Yeah. But I think when you're talking about leading an organization, there's consequences and for making stuff. a conscious decision and making a conscious decision. In this case, he molested a kid. Correct. This is not like I made him Carl Lentz. Like I cheated on my wife. You could hear somebody and have some more empathy for a story that was like, it was dumb. I was drunk. I made a mistake. I was on sleeping pills. That's what Brian Houston said. Yeah. He just got fired for, um, mistreating two women, the main pastor guy. So he's not their pastor anymore. And uh, that, those actions in one that is role an accident. Two have, is a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. One yeah, is a mistake. And that's what I do. I'm moment lifestyle. Like yes, same thing. Yeah. One's an accident, one's a pattern. Yeah. 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 And again, I think even that applies to molesting a child. Like that's not your first acting out. There's probably no. things that yeah. lead up to there that. There was moment. other There's things, signs. right? There's Josh Duggar moments than your past There's that signs. you yeah. were. And you just yeah. got to have accountability and people around you that you can like but my, my share point that was, stuff with and move <laughs> and be like, I can't be like this. My right. point was going to be like, like say I attended that congregation of Hillsong when that went on and I found out that happened. I would feel no obligation that he gets to keep his job. Yeah. Why do we do that? I would be like, oh, I'm trying to understand. Because, but this is, but this is the new Christianity, bro. This is it. So that's the whole thing. And this is the, the whole like misuse of this term of what quote unquote cancel culture, right? If you are, if you behave immorally, according to your values because your moral code may not be my moral sure code. if you and you stand up and you're like shit i fucked up that was bad mm-hmm. okay i'm gonna move on there is a set like the the extremes on both sides will be like nope you're done like you are cut yep. out and then the people who are in the middle are like what i don't know they're blindsided by what just happened because they're thinking like rational logical human beings sure. and saying no, we deserve to give these people, these people deserve empathy and they deserve to know that they are worthy even though they feel like they messed up. You are worthy simply because you exist. You are deserving simply because you exist. So if you're going to then qualify that as a, the, you're never entitled to make mistakes and you are always going to be scrutinized right, for I can every make little it, thing like what's going to happen the boomerang effect's going to happen and carl lentz is going to go meet some girl at a park and sneak around and go only to her apartment or supermodel in milan whatever whatever it is like there's going to be that boomerang effect because we can't as humans we can't handle that type of trauma 
but don't there's you going think, to be an impact. But but I feel like we're living in a society, and I'm now I'm like in a whole different soapbox. But like we're living in a society where I'm your friend until I disagree with you. Oh, absolutely. But then, like you're talking about, but then it's we these pastors jack up an entire congregation. And the congregation's like, he's preaching on forgiveness. We got to forgive. You, you can forgive. It's, I it's forgive my kid yeah. for disrespecting my wife, but my gosh, they're going to get some punishment. I think if a human messes up, mm-hmm. if you look at the teachings of Jesus from the yep. New Testament, if somebody messed up yep. and then came to Jesus and look at the rich young ruler, he's like, hey, I've done everything right. What must I do? And he says, well, I want you to sell everything that you have and follow me, which is not what he told everybody else. Nope. And so he came to him saying, hey, I really want to I really want to be your father. What should I do? And he gave him more rules or law. You need to do these things. Mm-hmm. You look at a woman caught in the act of adultery. She was not like haughty about it. Yeah, so what? what I've done everything what you want to do. Right, totally. She was dragged out and humiliated in front of a group of people. And he told people, all right, any of you guys that haven't sinned, cast the first stone. They all right. drop their stones and walk away. He looks at her and says, your accusers are gone. I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. He didn't tell her, like, here's three more things you got to do. Sure. And so I think the principle there, just in those two quick stories, and you'll see it more often, is like when somebody is contrite, like they know that they've messed up, you don't then pour on that. Be like, here's right. some more rules. Here's some more stuff. They're like, oh, it's I'm, constantly I'm moving the goalposts. So they and get that person challenge. That person is greeted with grace. Totally. The person who comes, you know, in a little arrogant, in a little hot, mm-hmm. in a little not contrite. There is remorseful. There is some there's some law that's peppered on before you can get to grace because you don't understand it now. Otherwise, it would be like I think the Bible calls it trampled underfoot. But in both of those scenarios, Jesus is recognizing what matters to each person. And so that's where as a church, if a leader falls, what matters to that person? Here I have this guy with an Instagram account that says president. Here I have this guy. Obviously, this church matters. Obviously, all these things. But if you're not getting the remorse, if you're not getting these kind, okay, cool. So now I'm going to come with law. Mm-hmm. Here are here are the steps to get you to a point where you could ever and ever like address this congregation ever again. Like you're going to have to you're going to have to go through a lot of steps. And according to his Instagram, he's just going to start a new one. Right. According. Yeah. God, let's. I can't. I, I, that's a whole nother episode. So I, I think you're exactly right. Like we have to trust. We have to trust that example. And figure out, okay, what matters to this person? How are they going to hear me best? And how are they going to move forward best? Yeah, but that's not our job to discipline people. I think what I was trying to get to is forgiving the person for the mistake is much different than wanting them to keep their job. If you found out that your pastor was a pedophile, he still had a good influence in your life. And there's some credit that he deserves. The the Bible says a pastor is a shepherd. Take care of the sheep. Come on. That's not taking care of the sheep. No, that's doing that's, something very different. That's yeah, a, that's abusing the sheep. Well, like, and I think you're that, not a pastor. I think that there's <laughs> definitely like a spectrum, right? There's a spectrum. At, there's a point at which the question of "Am I the asshole?" becomes, "Oh no, you like you crossed that line," and it's mm-hmm. no longer a question of "Are you the asshole?" It's a question of what was it felonious behavior? <laughs> was yes. it like did you? <laughs> Like, who else did you hurt with your behavior? Because if it means, and and how much did you hurt them with your behavior, with your choices, with your actions? And we've become like a consequenceless society, right? Like that people will just behave and keep moving the goalposts and keep pushing the envelopes and all the little, whatever other 
cliches you want to put in there, to see how far they can take it without consequence, mm -hmm. which is exactly what they're all doing in Hillsong, what they were all doing in Hillsong. It was how far can I go until somebody catches me? It's the same thing that happened with Enron. It's the same thing that happened with with with. With humanity. Right. Like it's all these things that are these corrupt with Goldman Sachs and all the things like Wall Street fell because they kept pushing to see how far they could go to make as much money as they possibly fucking could. So trampling the the people below be damned. And I think that when you're when we're looking at this and we're having these discussions, it's about number one, being open to hearing somebody else's perspective yep. and not claiming them as good or bad. Because they have a different perspective. We all have different perspectives. Totally. And we're sitting here having conversations, right? Because it, it's possible. Um, yeah, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Like, it's not just possible, I but agree. it's beautiful. I, so, I can't tell you how disappointed I've been over the last few months with how many people have stopped being my friend over this podcast. I'm just being honest. I, I, I can't. I, I Is it because of that topic of how, why would we try to paint the church in any kind of bad light because people might not come to church? Is that kind of the driving force, you think? I think it's not to make this a psychologist session here, psychology session with me, but it, it's multiple things. I think there's one, I think people think and assume off the title, my intentions. Hope after hurt. I think they assume that I'm just going after people. Uh, I think they yeah. assume that I'm going after churches. I think they assume that I like, I've been wronged, which I have by a lot of leaders and a lot of pastors. And they think that I'm, I haven't, he must think he has no faults of his own and he's just going, and they hear what they want to hear. And they probably listen to two episodes when I'm still trying to get my footing <laughs> and I'm still trying to build an audience. And they probably just assumed like, Hey, this guy's an absolute arrogant, you know what? And he thinks he has all the answers. And what's fascinating is none of them came to me though. None of them sent me a text. None of them called me. None of them sent me a message that said, praying for your perspective. Nobody called me to ask my perspective. Nobody asked my goals, nothing. They just literally, I've had people unfriend me, block me on social media platforms, talk because I, you're not feeding into their talk, echo chamber. Talk to, I know people at other churches right now talking about me and how I'm involved at another church and things like that in this podcast. And I'm like, look, man, here's the deal. We're all screwed up. And I felt like I've experienced enough. Maybe we could talk about it. Maybe we could learn a little bit. We could learn a little bit from what I've done good and bad. We could learn a little bit from what other people that have led me have done good and bad. And we could have beautiful conversations like this because here's the deal. I am in no way today trying to lead you to Jesus. Thank you. That's not my goal. We're not going to get there. <laughs> and, and here's the deal. Maybe not tomorrow either. But you know what would be really cool? This is what would be really cool to me. It would be really cool to me if you left here going, but I just had a conversation with a guy who's a pastor and claims to love Jesus. And I felt like he heard me. Yeah. And I felt like he like accepted me. And if that's all I did today, like, holy cow, could we just do that? Yeah. But it's, we, it's what we've decided to do is I'm going to love you and I'm going to support you and I'm going to be your friend until you do something I don't agree with. And then I'm just going to absolutely leave you high and dry. So it's been incredible for me because this year, this whole year for me has been all about the word free. Okay. So for me, it's been about freeing up my time. It's been about running after multiple things. It's been about getting better emotionally and physically. It's been about being free to be me and not worrying about like when anybody thinks. And this podcast was a huge part of that. And what that has led to is people 
have now gotten to know me a little better. And instead of going, hey, I don't agree with some of those things and I like to talk about them, or hey, I don't agree with some of those things, but I still am game to be your friend and support you. They're just like, mm, I'm out. And, and I'm like, cool. Th- this mm-hmm. And it's freeing. Exactly. <laughs> That's freeing. It's so freeing because now I'm like, okay, cool. Go do, go do your thing. And what you'll do is you'll run that pattern with everyone in your life. Mm-hmm. And you'll be, because I'll tell you this, I learn way more, learn way more from my wife and our disagreements than I do in our agreements. Yep. I learn way more from sitting here and talking about, like the amount of stuff that I've learned today from your perspective, it's incredible. This is what we should be doing. Because it always leads to better thinking. It always leads to better leadership. It always leads to learning. And why wouldn't we want to get better? That's what this whole thing's about. Things that that are really, I want to highlight. Number one is being willing to come to the table and just have these conversations and having an open mind, right? Like that you're open to letting people go if they no longer serve you and you no longer serve them. And that's that has to be part of the conversation because I think that's where people get so dug in what they think they have to to explain themselves to death to get you to see their perspective like they'd rather be right or what they think is right than actually like connect with somebody but and i think that's where when you're talking about these echo chambers that people are creating and in the content that they're taking in whether it be on social media and their and their tvs and whatever their other communities that they're being a part of i think that it's really important to recognize that walking in with assumptions, right? Like people mm-hmm. are assuming right. that I could have walked in here with the assumption that we were going to have a, a contentious conversation, but I, I don't. It would have been a more entertaining podcast. I don't typically walk into because Joe knows I can get, I get fired up about Love some shit, it. but my word of the year was acceptance. And so for me, it's about accepting myself, accepting who I, accepting people around me for who they are. Yeah. I love what you said that you learn more about your wife from disagreements than you do. I mean, I think that it's just so important. Like the lesson that I'm taking away is the more open we are to having these discussions and having these conversations, the the more kind of like we're knitting the fabric of what our future could be. That it could be now we have additional connections and you can be like, hey, Jenny, I'm texting you because this Jew came to my church today and I don't know what to say Absolutely. to them. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's so true though. Cool. Let's have a conversation. We'll go out for coffee. Or there's opportunities there yeah. where when you expand your network, whether you're growing your network, yeah. right? Yeah. And not worth as far as money value. It's right. worth as far as how deep are, are my connections going that I can feel like I'm able to make an impact on the world. Yeah, that's good. I I know another question I want to do. Let's do more lightning round. All right. So I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast are probably working at a church and maybe in church leadership, since that's one of the main themes is how do we get better as leaders? Yep. Celebrities in the church, Jenny, does that make you want to go more knowing that you might run into Bieber? Is it cool or is it meh? So... Or they I'm, just create celebrities and then promote them. I think it's. I think that there's because we're in this culture of the that gives credibility, it gives validity mm-hmm. to whatever you're doing. If you right. can get an influencer or a spokesperson, mm-hmm. or, but I know. Yeah, next week we have Addison Ray coming. Oh no, we don't. Okay, stay tuned. But Joe knows. Like I will. I have zero issue. I'll be like, hey, you have a million and a half followers on TikTok. You want to be on my show? And they're like. They usually say yes, because I think that like when you, yes, it's kind of, is it cool to meet people who you've seen? My husband said something last week. He was going to give my son the people's elbow. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? And my son is literally looking at us like you 
I mean, he does it several times a day. Like you're That's right. like mom and dad, you're crazy. And so literally it's before school, right? Yeah. So it's 745 on a Wednesday morning. And my husband pulls up on the TV, like a WWE retrospective Love of it. the rock. And so we're talking about how we're talking about Dwayne Johnson. And I'm like the guy from Jumanji who plays Dr. Right. Braveheart, the right? guy from Fortnite. And, and so my daughter had a frame of reference too. So we're watching all this. And then my husband and I started talking about how we became friendly with Mick Foley. And back in the day when my husband worked for a company that he was a celebrity like endorser of or whatever. And he's this really down to earth, like super nice guy. And we're like pointing him out on the TV and Nicholas is looking at us. And I was like, oh, honey, he knew you when you, when you were in mommy's tummy. When you demystify, right, that celebrity, like then it removes the need for the validity and the credibility. I like what you're saying. It would be great for everybody if we knew a celebrity and then maybe we could calm the heck down. Yeah. <laughs> like I think that it's, I think that it's important like that. to recognize, right? It's also disheartening when like your idols really disappoint you and yeah. do shit that's unfortunately for my husband, I will never ever be able to watch a Mel Gibson movie ever again. And I say unfortunately because two of his favorite movies of all time are Braveheart and the Patriot. And I'm like, fuck no, those are never going on. I was going to guess Braveheart and Lethal Weapon. Yeah, I I wasn't going to go with Patriot. Patriot. That's Mm. not up there. Braveheart, definitely. Uh, (laughs) Not what you thought we disagree with. Blue face painting. (laughs) Lethal Weapon, yeah. yeah, Lethal Weapon, we're good. But I will never be able to. That has completely been colored. That is never going to be. We'll talk about it. Yeah. And we'll talk about it in our house because we don't really have topics that are off limits surprising right yeah but i think that it's when you bring it down i'm like it's funny in the news mags where they're like and you're they go to starbucks too and they go to the gym and they like we're all just people there's a guy that that i network that i've met through networking who is a multi-millionaire like multi multi multi-millionaire and totally down-to-earth cool guy like lives in a townhouse in the neighborhood right behind me you know what i mean because there's no but you would never know like it's understanding that you can be a celebrity and be humble and these mega churches leveraging the power of celebrity, right? Hillsong with this VIP section and the list of all the people that were going and how cool it was. And what, what do you know about the other churches that have famous people that go, right? Yeah. They're just there. Yeah. And I'm sure the Wahlbergs go to church. I don't know. I think, I think it's, and that's where you get into even the documentary, right? If you, we talked about this. If this documentary was shot at a number of churches across the country, it could have been moved the same way. We can find preferential right. treatment for not celebrities, but top givers. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, yeah. We can make that happen. Are you still running lightning round? I had one more question. Sorry, okay. I would imagine that a lot of church leaders listen to this podcast all share one thing in common. They want to, in whatever your church is, vernacular, however you say it, you want to reach the lost. Yep. You want to... See more people saved and come to know which Jesus. Is, yep. Which is probably let's if we strip out all the religious language out of it, they want to know how to reach people that aren't there yet. Yeah. So I have issue with the whole salvation thing too. That's a like the whole <laughs> ministry, like mission, like converting everybody to Christianity, like going out, like the guy that died going to that island off of India that the Indian government's been like, please don't ever go here because they will kill you on site. Oh, I heard about that. There's so there's a a, a question for me like about why does everybody need to be saved 
why do you need to care about my soul and it, whatever's happening with me? So I think a lot of people would probably say something along the lines of like what the New Testament says, the gospel is good news. And so you just want to share good news with people. And I guess another way to say it is this has been so good in my life. I want you to experience it too, would be another way of saying it. Yeah, but I can say no, thank you. And we can, and and you can then let that go. I hear you. I think the question <laughs> I was trying to get to is, regardless Sorry, of the terminology or, or, or salvation, I think a lot of churches would like to reach or serve, would probably be a yeah. better way to say mm-hmm. it, their community mm-hmm. and the, even the people that don't go there. So what would be some things that if you saw churches, synagogues, any really denomination of any faith doing that you're like, oh, that's what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yep. What kind of things are those? I want to see leaders come together from different parts of the community. I want to see these leaders come together from Pastor Drew and Rabbi Joe. Not that Joe's a rabbi, but that's the only other <laughs> you know person sitting in front of me. <laughs> so that like y'all can come together and be like, hey, let's do a pancake breakfast, and that's going to benefit. Find a a a community organization like uh, Note in the Pocket or wait, um, wait, wait. So let me get this straight. You want us to pretend we're on the same team? You want us to have a hard time even between denominations doing that? But we want to help each other win. That sounds so foreign. I know. Can you believe it? That's crazy talk. Man. We want to all build community over competition. What? That's crazy, isn't it? It is. It's a brand new concept. Never said it before. So what are some other (laughs) ways that if you saw a church or if you saw a synagogue again or any religious organization trying to serve their community, what would you see and be like, that's impressive? Like I'm, it would be I'm impressive to that. me to have the stop saying, stop doing like membership drives and stop doing, start opening the, the doors to really transparency in the conversation. It would impress me if I saw a congregation going out and performing community service, Right, like we're going to have a day of service and you can have those, but market it to the whole community and be like, you can join us whether or not we're the more the merrier. Totally. Let's just all work together. This and isn't have just fun. an event put on by our church. Right. This is an event we're doing for the community. Our church is going to be there. Yeah. And that is, and that's the different, like when we recorded a, um, a podcast episode not too long ago for the girls to do stuff where we were talking about the difference between saying that you're a photographer versus like I'm a business owner mm-hmm. and my business happens to be photography. Right. Mm. Like you can be a church who's there for the community or like you can be a church who also contributes to the community or you can be a community that happens to also offer religious services. Yep. Same question. But what are the things that when you see churches or organizations do stuff, you're like, oh, I really wish you would stop that. So just the opposite end of that spectrum. I mean, at first I would have to pay attention. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so never going to hit your radar. But no, I think that I do. I see a lot of like things that make me tired, right? Stop telling me that my soul is going to hell. Like mm. on your billboard outside, on your marquee outside your fucking church. But what if it's really my, clever? No. <laughs> what if there's alliteration? I'm a big fan of alliteration. Right? However, <laughs> like one of my favorite things is, and, and I will, I don't remember what the church was, but I remember driving on Old Georgetown Road between Democracy Boulevard and the Beltway on, it's <laughs> very specific, near, near where I grew up. There was a church that every week we would, and we would drive by like on that stretch of road to get to the Beltway 
there they would change their signage every week and right. it would be something that was really cool and engaging and something funny or joking but sure. related to like spark interest of hey that they're not pushy i think that what really i struggle with right is that i don't know that i would ever walk into a church because i don't want to feel like you're going to push your push me to change who i am and how i believe mm. From when I walk in the door and ask me if I'm accepting Jesus in my heart, because the answer is always going to be no. And then I'm never going to feel welcome. Every house has like customs and Mm -hmm. things that you would do. So like at my house, my daughter always goes before the meal. She'll go, all right, everybody, hands up, hands together, close eyes. And then she goes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, G. And she sings a little prayer song. That's right? adorable. Isn't it adorable? Mm-hmm. She is. That's why she gets away with so much. But that's my house. Right. I wouldn't come to your house and expect the same stuff. That's good. You can come for Hanukkah. But I can and come. And we'll, we'll sure. light the menorah. I don't, and, I don't even you know. know. Yeah, I, I'd do it. I'd do it if it gave me an opportunity just to hang out and be around people. So then when you walk into a church, you're like walking into the house. Mm-hmm. It has some house rules. One of those rules on most Sundays is the pastor's going to get up. He's going to talk about Jesus. Sure. And he's going to invite you in on it. I think, though, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think, though, what you're talking about is more of I, I know that and I expect that to happen. I want it to be done in an appropriate way that still, like, understands who I am. Like we were talking about with this podcast, right? right? You're fine talking about this stuff. But not if I'm just going to like try to push an agenda and like judge you. So think of it. I wish that there would be more open conversations and open-minded church leaders Mm -hmm. that would come to the table and say, I understand you may not think like I do today. And I understand people change and there may be an event in your life down the road. And I just want you to know if that happens, you can come to me. Yep. And versus the person that's spraying perfume in your face when you're walking by the beauty <laughs> counter at Macy's. Right. That Try you're this. like, back the fuck off. Yeah. Right? Like, like I said, no, thank you. That hit my neck. <laughs> and I'm right? pretty sure it's for women. I don't need you. Like, I already said, no, thank you. I've already laid out to you that my beliefs are different. And you can, if I would really love for you to respect my boundaries yeah. and say, cool. Love you. Peace out, Brussels sprout. See you next time. I think that there's, I think, and I think this is where the church gets a bad rep, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities where that agenda pushing, right? Similar, we've seen it play out over and over again on social media and in politics, that there's people are of the belief that they have to push an agenda versus just be present. It's just empathy, right? Right. Like I want to be shown empathy and I want to be treated respectfully and I want it to be obvious to me that you understand that I have boundaries yeah, and that when you've crossed them, I'm going to let you know. Sure. And I would expect that you don't cross them again because then we're done. Absolutely. So let me, <laughs> le- so let me leave that all being said, let me lead you in a prayer. Anyways, here okay. we go. No, I let, listen, I'm I, I, I'll be honest. This is so encouraging to me. It really is. And I don't, that might sound weird, but I, I talk with people all the time in ministry and a lot of the things that you're seeing, other people are seeing. Mm-hmm. And it gives me some hope because I don't feel like I'm just sitting here going, man, I have no answers. 
man, I, I don't know how to build something. I'm sitting here going, man, there's a whole group of new leaders that are like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to change the game. And like we talked about, we still don't know exactly what that looks like. But the way I always put it is when my, if I'm flying on a plane from North Carolina to California, my pilot doesn't have to get up in the air and see California. He just needs to know to head West. Mm -hmm. And for me, all I'm trying to do right now is just head West. Mm. I'm just trying to walk in it and I'm just trying to discover new ways that I can help people, that I can assist leaders, that I can build hope for something that we are constantly reminded seems hopeless. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's really why we started the podcast. That's really what we're hoping to build. And I really like, can't thank you enough for the, for the courage, but also the willingness to just come in and sit down and have a conversation with me. Like I really appreciate it. And the time you've spent in the dialogue, it's been, it's been a great blessing to me. It really has. Awesome. Thank you. No, I do appreciate the opportunity. I think that it's, I think one of the great things about conversations like this and doing this in a podcast and putting it out there like this is that you're giving other people the courage, right? You're, it's like courage vicariously. <laughs> go have the conversations, go have the kind of critical thinking sessions. Our goal with the girls who do stuff and, and my podcast mm -hmm. is like every time we sit down with a guest, our goal is that we know people are listening. And if one person comes back to us and says, wow, this was impactful. I really appreciate your perspective on this. And we get messages every episode. Yeah, We get feedback every episode of, I really enjoyed this one. Or, hey, I just listened to the one about the, what did we do? Like we did a flat, we're doing a flashback Friday series with some of our old episodes now. Yeah, But like I was doing headshots on Monday and somebody was like, I listened to you all the way to the beach and it was great. And I, it was this one about what to do when you're afraid and, and show up anyway. And it was wonder, and thank you so much. We recorded that like last April. So for, and I think that is where people are missing the mark is that like, you don't, if you don't go into conversations with the awareness that you could potentially create a lasting and legacy impact on somebody, yeah. then you're missing the opportunity for true connection and to build that community. That's great. And so I do appreciate anytime you want to sit down and talk to you things, I'm happy to talk to you yeah, about it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. We'll, we'll, there will be a, there will be more, I promise you. I feel I like, though, it. that you, we can't say talk to you things like you can. No, like, we I, can't. I specifically did not say that. We can't. For the record. <laughs> like, I can't. Not, it's not as bad as, it's not like saying other words that yeah. we don't say. I mean, right? it's not a racial coming slur. Up, coming up still. next, words you can't say on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> things that would be bad. Right. and Yeah. The racist language we don't want to use. But yeah, so I do. I thank you for the opportunity. And please, next time, I don't want to watch a documentary before I come on. I'm just saying. Yeah, you bet. We'll talk about something It could be something more, more fun. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Hope After Hurt. If you enjoyed this episode or found it useful, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend. Join the Yes Community on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Yes Community. On Instagram at yesco underscore community. TikTok at Drew's Barker. And for show notes, visit the website at yes.transistor.fm. This show is produced, edited, and engineered by Podcast Carry. Thanks for listening.